Good morning, church. Tents and altars. Today is uh, part four of the series and part two of the sermon. Last week, I started preaching this message and we filled in two of the blanks. So you got the notes again today. We'll finish those out in this sermon by faith in Jesus' name. Um, we're going to move pretty quick. I have to say, first of all, um, if you're new to the Exchange Church, welcome. This is a place where purpose is awakened and developed, and you have happened upon an incredible group of people uh, that have become family, unrelated people that would not have met any other way, but by the hand of God, the providence of God has brought us together, and this is a wonderful place to worship, so that we're so glad that you're here. I woke up this morning to some breaking news, and there are a lot of concerning things in the news uh, this week, but... The biggest of them all I heard this morning, and that was that Iran, uh, and this is breaking news, so it's, we don't know what kind of spin there's going to be, we don't know all the facts, can you give me some grace just to report what I heard this morning, is that alright? Okay, uh, I heard that Iran was attacked in multiple facilities, munitions facilities, where uh, they're building weapons and supplying weapons to Russia, this is prophetically a huge deal and just wanted to give you some biblical insight. I'm not giving you any moral opinion or political opinion on this, but biblically this is kind of a big deal. And I would like you to be able to follow this throughout the week. Um, we know that Iran has been supplying some drones to Russia and Iran was attacked this morning by drones. Now, as of 6.30 this morning, I checked it earlier but couldn't find anything concrete. Um, no one's really taking responsibility for this. The Iran state television or state news is kind of blaming Israel, which would make sense. They're, you know, they're enemies. Uh, and and uh, I, I would love for the world just to all get along. You know what I mean? But that's not going to happen. The Bible's already told us the end from the beginning. Um, but they're kind of blaming Israel. I could see that the U.S. might be involved. The U.S. and Israel did some drills a couple of weeks ago. That would make sense to me if the U.S. were involved. I could see that NATO might be involved if they're wanting to keep Iran from supplying weaponry to Russia. There are a host of number of people that could be involved. I could even see, uh, this is a bit far-fetched, but I could see if it turns out to be true. You will have heard it first from me. Um, Iran creating an illusion of attack for a pretext for Hamas and Hezbollah to go in and, you know, do some stuff. So um, I think this is important for you to watch because we know from Psalm 83 that there's going to be a war. We don't know when. It may not be in my lifetime. I believe that it will be. This is why I'm on edge watching this stuff. And, and the pieces are being set up prophetically like never in our lifetime. I can't imagine that God would bring us this far in prophetic alignment only to withdraw the situation and then set, have to come back around decades from now and set it all back up again. It doesn't make sense to me. I think we're here. I think we're living Bible prophecy right now. Uh, in fact, the final generation is the most prophesied people in all of the Bible. I know we read the stories of, of Mary and Joseph and Ezekiel and all of those people, but you don't realize if, in fact, you are that final generation, you are in the Bible more than any character you have ever heard preached about. Does that give you chills? That gives me chills. I think we're there. Anyway, uh, this is important because we know Psalm 83 talks about a war. By the way, this is not in my notes, so don't think that 
that uh, you're getting away with the sermon not being done. This is just a prophetic update, okay? This is free. You get this one for free this morning. Um, Psalm 83 War talks about the surrounding Israel, enemies of Israel. So Hezbollah, Hamas, uh, troops in Syria. We know that the Ezekiel 38 War is going to come from the north. So it's going to come from uh, the Syria side, where currently a lot of nations are setting up camp there. And, and that's nothing new. They've been doing that for years. Um, but what this could do, this attack on Iran, which is the biggest attack on Iran in decades. This is not a small deal. This is not just a, a blip in the radar of, of history. This is a, a big deal. Iran is currently fully capable of creating nuclear, uh, nuclear response if they want to. That's the first time in history that's ever been the case. Um, I think that this will likely, and it's yet to be seen, uh, this could embolden Hamas, Hezbollah, any of the Shiite uh, people, there are Sunnis and Shiites. The Sunnis want to get along. The Shiites don't. They want to fight for Allah, and it's two very different people. You can't say the word Muslim and mean the same thing, just like there are really wacky Christians in the world that, you know what I mean, blow up Planned Parenthood. That's not my kind of Christian. Are you with me? So, like, you can't, the word Muslim means different things, uh, but the Shiites and the Sunnis... Um, one of them, the Shiites really want to destroy Israel, specifically Jordan. The Bible does talk about a time in the, the last days where Jordan will be surrounded by her enemies, and I think we're heading there. Um, that will then uh, cause, in my, my understanding of Bible prophecy, that will cause Russia to abandon their current trajectory. We know that they're heading, I don't know why I have to turn backwards to do north, south, east, and west, but they're currently heading west. Yeah? And their pursuits. So, so I am dyslexic, so give me some grace. Uh, the, heading west, the Bible talks about that the Lord is going to put a hook in the jaw of the leader of Rosh, which is Russia. And it's going to pull him down from his current pursuits and into the northern part of Israel. So Russia will be, I don't know if it's Putin, there could be a new leader by the time this happens, who knows? But we know the Bible very clearly talks about Russia in the final days will be the ringleader with Iran, uh, with uh, Syria, with, let's see, Sudan, northern Jordan, southern Jordan will play a part in this, Ethiopia, who would have thought Ethiopia is going to be a part of this, and Turkey. So, you watch, Turkey's about to, prophetically speaking, I believe, and I could be wrong because I'm not perfect and I don't know the Bible 100%, but I believe uh, the next step for Turkey is it has to get out of NATO. It's either going to betray the NATO alliance or they're going to get kicked out. So if that happens in the next couple of months, you can say, hey, Pastor Trey said, the Bible said this was going to happen. Uh, because Turkey is very much in the alliance that's going to be coming down uh, for Israel. So we see a Psalm 83 war being set up right now and the circumstances to provide justification for a hook to be inset in a jaw and Rosh to come on down. Does that make sense? Okay, so this is a very big deal that happened. Here's my thoughts. God loves people. Pray for the people. There are so many innocent people. War is devastating. Even though the Bible has prophesied that wars and rumors of wars are going to happen, there are innocent, wonderful, 
beautiful, lovely people being hurt by this. So our prayers are God's will be done always, but please just pray for humanity. Can we do that? And I think the greatest prayer that you can ever pray is that God will just make himself real to these people before their final breath. There is probably what I love about Iran right now and China, by the way, those two nations have the greatest revival of Jesus Christ going on than any other nation in the world. And it's underground, and you're not going to hear about it, but it's happening, and God is revealing himself. And listen, God is not, a, God is not afraid to send angels to go face-to-face with families, go door-to-door before bombs hit to bring people into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So can you just with me agree for divine encounters for all Iranians, anyone that's in the middle of this war and is going to experience the fallout of that? Is that fair? Can we do that? All right, very good. We're going to continue on in our series today. I just had to share that prophetic update because it just kind of got me like on fire this morning. So uh, let's get back to... Altars and tents. Altars and tents. Our text was read in the video, uh, Genesis chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, you could go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 12 and just peruse that as I'm talking. I really unpacked that text last week. So if you didn't hear that, that sermon, you can watch it online, theexchangechurch.org. But that sets the foundations for all of the points that I'm going to extrapolate today. All right. So I'm not going to go back and re-preach last week's sermon I don't have time for that. Uh, if you weren't here, you'll just need to catch yourself up. I'm going to go ahead and just start talking and jumping into this idea of tents and altars. Are you ready? I believe that maturity in faith is evidenced by the ability of you and I to differentiate between the temporary and the permanent, the temporal and the eternal. I think as we mature in the faith, that's one of the things that God does in us. He gives us eyes to see the things that are temporary or tense and the things that are eternal or altars. So if if it's hard for you right now to differentiate between tents and altars, that's okay. We are all on a journey. There's no shame and no guilt here. Before I get into altars, which is really my main right hook today, I really want to help you establish altars. But first, I want to gird up the tents. I want to make sure that you don't think that I'm saying that tents aren't important. Last week, I said things like, marriage is a tent. Parenting is a tent. Your house is a tent. Do you know, everything that's going to pass away, everything that's going to I don't know when I'm going to see Jesus. I don't know if it's going to be in the rapture of the church when Jesus splits the sky and calls me up or if, it's, if I'm going to be laid down to sleep and celebrating. I don't know when that is, but the moment, Michael, I take my last breath, that is the last time I care about my clothes. That is the last time that I'm going to be trying to parent my kids. If I ain't put in the time by then, it's kind of too late. Like, I'll always be their dad, I get that, but that role and responsibility is temporary. It's a tent. I don't want you to think, though, that I'm at all suggesting that that's not important. Tents are highly important. They're very valuable. They add value, they add shelter, but they're temporary. Tents are temporary 
And it's just a point of reference for us today. We, we've got to kind of get that down in our heart because that clarifying value shapes our perspective of life. Suddenly, we don't freak out so much when things don't go our way, when we understand things are temporary. Suddenly, we understand when we don't get that promotion or we, it's hard to pay that bill or this or that happens, we understand that we are foreigners in a land that we weren't created to abide in forever. We're just passing through. It's temporary. There are so many tents in our life that we believe are altars, and we try to make that the central point of our life, we must know the difference between the temporary and the eternal. Again, I'm not suggesting that your career is not important. If there's anyone in the room who's just spent eight years to be a doctor, don't, don't feel defeated. I'm not saying it's all going to burn anyway. What a waste of life you've created for yourself. Your career is important. I'm not saying it's not important. I'm not suggesting that your career shouldn't be approached with excellence and with diligence. I'm not suggesting that your career is not part of your service to God. I'm only saying it's temporary. Can we just lock that in? It's a tent. It is temporary. But tents are valuable, Stefan. Colossians 3.23 tells us whatever you do, Whatever you do, whether it's in a tent or in an altar, at an altar, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So whether you are pitching a tent or building an altar, you're still doing it unto the Lord. So teens, you still got to clean your room. Tristan, can I get an amen? Tristan? (laughs) Tents deserve our attention. They deserve our honor. Tents deserve our respect. Just because it's temporary doesn't mean that I give it less of who I am. I don't give my career less of me because I know there's coming a day I won't have the career. I don't give my kids less of me because I know there's coming a day where they're not going to be in my home and they're going to have their own families. I give them all that I have, even though that role in my life is temporary. In all you do, it's the Lord Christ you are serving. In all that you do. Team exchange, that's, that's actually one of the reasons Carrie and I, when we started the church, we told our leaders, We start on time, we end on time. We want to honor people's time. I mean, the Lord can interrupt anything, and and he has, and he has. But probably in 12 years of church, we've we've started late maybe three times. And that was because of a, a massive technical issue that took some time, and we, we had to get it fixed. Otherwise, we were going to be doing church old school. And I was going to have to preach, you know, without a microphone. But we start on time because we honor you. You got here on time. We should start on time. And and by the way, um, the preacher should not preach an hour. I mean, churches are different. I'm talking about my church, this church that God has called me to lead, okay? So if you go to another church and there's a preacher who is just shucking the corn for an hour, don't go up and say, Pastor Trey said 
you shouldn't be preaching for an hour. No, God, that's, you let him shuck that corn. Do you know what I mean? Like, but God's told me not to. I, I have to know that every minute I go over, and if you've been around, you know I go over every week. <laughs> but I know that every minute I go over, it puts our children's ministry in a bind because they've prepared for a certain amount of effort and time. Um, it also, if you've made lunch plans with someone, you know what the worst thing would be? is for you to have met a first-time guest before service, and y'all made plans to go out to lunch, but then I preached a sermon so long because I was so into my content that I failed to honor the relationship that God was trying to root in you. And then you ran out of time and couldn't go to lunch together because that first-time guest had a, an appointment or a meeting at 2 o'clock. Do you see what I mean? We, I can't just assume that I see everything God is doing, so I need to stay in my lane, and I need to honor the tent that God has told me to pitch and not assume that just because I want to pitch a bigger tent, that you all have room to sit in it. So we start on time, we end on time. Uh, this is why we ask our volunteers to show up on time to Team Huddle. It matters. Your, your excellence, your punctuality matters. On rehearsals on Thursdays, our team, our worship team, by the way, I know they're worshiping God and it's not for us, but I just honor them and our production team. Every Thursday from 6 to 9, they're here rehearsing, worshiping. Um, I know I heard someone say the other day, Amber, they're not worship leaders. They're leaders in worship. Their first goal is to worship God when they get on this platform. But also they understand that, you know, we want to make a beautiful noise to the Lord. So that requires some effort and some practice for the guitars and the, the piano players and the drums and they're here, 6.30, 6 o'clock, on time. We get to church on a Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m., first impressions. They're here, 9.38. 9.35 is not okay. It's just not honoring what God is establishing in the house. And our volunteers know that. Our e-kids volunteers, they get here at 9.30. I don't even know what time. Well, I think I, Albert is the first one here. My phone dings when he opens the door around 3 a.m., I'm generally the second one here. I get here around 7, 7.30, 8. Um, and then I don't really know who's the first on the worship team, but they're pouring in at 8, 8.10, 8.15. People are here early. Now, it does help when we provide food. If we provide food, they get here really early. <laughs> one day, uh, Chris Russo was here on a Thursday. He was like, hey, I'm here for Sunday's food. Is it here yet? <laughs> Just playing, Chris. Tents are important. Our, our serving, you know, um, I will not change any baby diapers in heaven. I won't clean any toilets in heaven. I, I, I clean toilets here. I clean these toilets. Whew. Some of you guys, man, that is a humbling experience. It's service to the Lord. And I'm not saying that for a pat on the back. I, I'll, do, I'll do anything for the Lord. It's for the Lord. It's not, not for you. But some of you need to check your diet. <laughs> Just. <laughs> if I ever have. 
If I ever have a prophetic word, like, the Lord wants to heal stomach issues, you know I cleaned toilets that week. <laughs> Just heal them, Lord, in Jesus' name. But you know why we get here early and why we get here on time and why we, we do toilets, why we vacuum carpets and you know, why we show up early and we fold bulletins and lay things out on the, the chairs for you. We do it because we understand who we're serving. It's not for a leader. We may have a leader over us that coordinates it and reminds us, hey, don't forget, 930. But it's not for them. I'm not actually even preaching for you. I love you. But this is not for you. I would rather take you to Chewy's. If it were for you, but God has called me to this, to worship him. You being here on a Sunday that you don't even serve is worship to him. We, we, we celebrate servanthood, but my goodness, what I think is really amazing are when volunteers show up on the Sundays, they're not on the schedule. And they're in the pews, the pews, listen to me. They're in these swanky chairs and available to meet people. That's service, man. People who could have slept in this morning, some, some of you wanted to sleep in this morning. I hit my snooze twice. I get it. I, I get it. It's a temptation. It's calling my name. But God has a purpose for you in these chairs today. There's someone on your left, someone on your right, or in front of you or behind you that needs what's inside of you. Coming to church is not about being a consumer. It is about being in the family of God. And Jill, we need you. We need you. We need everything that you have to offer. Pedro, we need what's on your life in someone else's life. It, it matters when you're here, not because we care about numbers, but because we understand that when the family is missing, the family is hurting. Tense, and all that, by the way, is, is tense. Those are tense. So you see how passionate I am about tense. So it doesn't give us justification to keep a, a filthy car, two-week-old french fries in, in the floorboard because it's a tent anyway. Tents are valuable. and We should steward well the things that God has given to us so that he can give us more. Some of us aren't even understanding that we're holding God's blessing back because until you learn how to manage what he's already given you, he can't give you more. Sometimes some of the most spiritual things you can do is go up to the free car wash and vacuum your carpet in your car with gratitude and say, God, thank you for blessing me with this. And I know it's got duct tape on all the doors and I know the windows don't roll down and I know that it makes a loud squealing noise when I roll up to McDonald's, but I thank you that I don't have to walk. And as we steward what God has placed in our hands, suddenly it opens the door for more. I'm getting really off my notes. I probably should get back. If our parking host would just go check the vehicles right now. <laughs> Let me know who this is for. I can just get a confirmation. No. Point number two on your page. I switched them around. Point number two, Abraham understood what was permanent and what was temporary. He understood what was permanent and temporary. You need a car, guys. You need clothing. Your kids need sports. Uh, your kids need to have good grades. We want to live in prosperity and steward our homes and our resources well, but just let's not make that the center of our life, okay? You can have all of, 
all of those things. You know, the Bible talks about how hard it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. You heard that before? It's, it's so hard that it would be easier for you to get a camel through the eye of a needle. That tells me there will be no rich people to go to heaven. Now, before you gasp, let me just tell you what that really means. That, that doesn't mean that we've been taught this wrong our whole life, probably. We hear, well, it's really hard when you've got money to stay focused on Jesus. That's why I'm broke, praise the Lord. It's really hard when you've got money and you're, you've got lots of wealth to stay focused. But if you try really hard and you white knuckle it, then you keep Jesus first and you can have your money and make it to heaven too. That's not what that verse is saying at all. It's not saying if you're wealthy on earth, it's hard to get in heaven. It's saying the moment you transition from here to there, it's a total different economy. You may be a rich man here. You won't be rich there unless you have served the Lord faithfully and your rewards are commiserate with your service to him. That's how you are rich. It's a total different economy. So I don't go from a rich man here to a rich man there. I don't even go from a poor man here to a poor man there. Does that make sense? Abraham understood what was permanent and what was temporary. Something permanent, an altar that we should be building... It's not temporary, is our worship to God. And I've already told you that could look like vacuuming out the french fries in your car. That could be worship to God. I love how Abraham built his altar right next to his tent so that the incense from the altar wafted into the tent. And when you live a Christ-centered life, even your temporary things start to smell eternal even though you know that they're not eternal. Oh, that's good. That's not in my notes. That's just a spirit nugget for you this morning, all right? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Some of us struggle or will struggle at the throne. Some of us think, man, I, I, I like that preaching, but the worship ain't my thing. I'm not really into the worship, the loud music, the, the slow music, the fast music, the long music the whatever music. I'm not really into the worship. I don't get it. I don't feel it in my soul. It doesn't move me. But that preacher, he's pretty funny. He's pretty good. I like him. Listen, if you like the preaching, but not the worship, you're going to have a hard time in heaven because you are going to worship forever. You know why I'm on time for worship every week? Why I'm here at the front row ready for worship? I'm here engaged in worship because when I get to heaven, I won't be preaching. This isn't my moment to shine. That is. That is my moment to build what is eternal in my life. When I show up to worship and I begin to offer my praise and I offer my thanksgiving and whether the the singer messes up or the drummer gets off beat, they're not playing for me. They're just offering their worship. Let my incense arise as as theirs is arising. This is is the time when I shine. This is when heaven is watching me. Not, Not this. This is temporary. I know I'm talking eternal things, but this job description is over once I die. Over. I think I'm a great preacher, but I won't be asked to lead any classes in heaven. I will be sitting right next to you saying, feed me more. Give me more. I I want more understanding. I want to learn more. I want to see more. 
Our worship is eternal. Moreover, I think, Stefan, one thing that's super interesting to me is I have a very limited amount of time to worship God in my humanity. You ever thought about that? The angels don't know what it's like to worship God in brokenness. When we worship in our brokenness, heaven leans in. When we worship God, when we're walking through fear, when we're walking through unbelief or doubt or crisis or chaos, when we choose to worship anyway, I'm rooting something in me for eternity. And once I die, I lose that opportunity. So I can't miss any opportunity this side of heaven to worship him in my brokenness. That's so good. What a gift. What a gift that we get to give our creator to worship him even though. To worship him even though I've just lost a kid. I've seen Lydia. She's not here today. I have seen Lydia Fowler just weeks after burying her daughter. This was years ago to a tragic, unexpected car accident. I've seen her throw up her hands and worship and just cry and pour out heart out to the Lord, even in the middle of the loss. That, my friends, is beautiful. That is an altar that I want to build. That is an altar that I want to sit at. That is an altar, a place that I want to spend time at. Investing in worship, in my spiritual development, in my spiritual engagement, By the way, I'm not saying you have to throw up your hands and you have to clap and you have to dance and you have to shout. I'm just saying get your heart engaged. Get your mind engaged. Get your body engaged. For some of you, that might be tapping your toe. That's not visible to your neighbor. But if that's engagement to you and you are growing in that expression, do it. Spiritual development, spiritual engagement is worship. It is worship. Worship, and let me just define spiritual. When I say spiritual involvement, in place of spiritual, can we just place Jesus? (laughs) Because that word spiritual has lost some of its meaning in our world. When I say spiritual connection, I'm not saying get in tune with your inner self. Your inner self is just as lost as your outer self. I'm not saying get in tune with the universe, with Mother Earth. Mother Earth is mad right now, y'all. She is mad. I ran, in addition to getting bombed, there was a 5.9 earthquake in the same region. Whether the bombs initiated that, I don't know, but she's mad. I don't want to get in tune with her. You know what I mean? And by the way, if I'm ever in the hospital or I'm sick and you send me a text, don't tell me you're sending good vibes. I don't need your vibes. Please don't. I mean, if you do, I'm not going to beat up on you. I'll be like, oh, thanks. Your vibes can't heal me. Your good thoughts and well wishes are more for you than for me. If you want me well, let me know that you're bombarding heaven with prayer. Tell me how I'm going to fast for you, pastor. In fact, you should do that. You should fast for your pastor 
every month. I'm getting emotional now. I, don't, I must need it. Y'all better fast for me. <laughs> We're in a spiritual war, guys. I don't need your good vibes. I don't, I don't need your good thoughts. I don't need a fancy card. Pray for me. Pray that every attack the enemy has sent to my family or to my marriage or to my health or to my mind or to my ministry or to my finances, to pray that it is dissolved and and turned around back on the enemy tenfold. That's what I want from you. Your good vibes are nice, but man, if you ever want to do something fruitless, offer someone good vibes. I love that our, our text shows Abraham building altars. Before he pitches tents. Not after. He didn't set up the campground first and then build the altar. He built the altar, then he pitched the tent. And I think that, am I really over three minutes already? Oh my Lord. This this was not a good day to talk about honoring time. Well played, Holy Spirit. Well played. You ever sit down at a restaurant and they bring you like a five-course meal that's beautiful Juicy, wonderful steak, beautiful salad, raspberry salad, wonderful dessert, everything. And then they tell you, choose one item. That's what I'm feeling in this moment. How do I get through this sermon? Because it's all so good. Maybe I just keep going. Not today, church. I'm, I'm saying part, another part. Get ready, Sherry. He built altars before he built tents. The temporary flows out of the eternal. Sometimes we get that backwards. We think if we build a good life, that somehow we find ourselves presentable to God. If we build a good life, that that somehow that makes us more pleasing to the kingdom. You got to start on your altar first. You got to... Learn what it means to worship, to be committed, to dedicate, to consecrate yourself, to spend time with your creator. Before you worry about, this flows out of this. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. We get busy trying to work on all these things that we forget to seek first his kingdom. And listen, when you build the altar first, the tents just fly up naturally. Abraham learned early in his faith journey that the life source was in the altar, not in the tent. Wherever he went, he left altars, not tents. And that needs to be your legacy at your job, in your living room, in family community room. Wherever you go, you should be leaving not, how, not, not your brilliant knowledge on how to build lovely tents. 
Are you leaving altars behind so that the fragrance of the Lord rests in the place once you leave it? The first point. Altars speak of sacrifice, devotion, worship, and encounter. I am, I am building altars when I'm walking in the Spirit and pursuing things of the Spirit. Building altars is life-giving. When you get to an altar, metaphorically speaking, are you following me? When I talk about altar, I'm talking about the things of God in your life, the pursuits of heaven in your life. When you get to the altar, you don't walk away empty. You walk away full. When you come to church, in the exchange church, and you connect, and you give, and you sing, and you take notes, and you learn, and you grow, you don't walk away, hopefully, you don't go home depleted. Now, some of our volunteers might, because they've given. That's why they need to be here when they're not volunteering, so they can receive. But when you come to an altar, when you come to this place, you, you walk away refreshed, not depleted. I mean, you don't go home and say, whoo, went to church. Can't do that again for another three weeks. I've never had anyone walk in and say, hey, Pastor, I ain't been here in two months. I really needed the recovery. Never. I, I, what I do hear people say is, I couldn't wait to get back into the house of the Lord. Man, I, I left feeling so encouraged. I left feeling like I could take on the battles. And I've, I've just been counting down the days until I could be in the presence of the Lord in church. I need to do this more often because when we come to an altar, we walk away filled. Will you stand to your feet? If you're here this morning and you've been hearing talk about tents and altars and pursuing the things that have eternal value, I have to say that the greatest altar that you can ever happen upon is the altar of salvation, the altar of surrender, the altar of redemption. We know that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, the, the son of God, from heaven to earth in human form. And he walked the earth for 33-ish years. Three of those years in active ministry, he did more in three years of ministry than any of us could do in a lifetime. And he built a small team of ragamuffin disciples who knew really nothing. And he took them in, in three years and he started this thing we know now as Christianity. And at the end of his time here, he laid down his life because he was the perfect sacrifice that was needed to cover our sins so that you and I could approach a holy God, so that you and I could go to an altar of salvation. And it's nothing actually that you have to earn, nothing that you do. It's just receiving the gift. It's a free gift. So this morning, I'm going to ask you to bow your head, close your eyes.
if that's you, listen, I, I open this message talking about prophetic end times. There is, there's never a better time than right now to get right with the Lord. There has never been a, a better time. Jesus has never been closer than right now. And we don't know when that day is or when our last day on earth is, but I'm telling you there's never been a better time than right now to say yes to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. When you receive Jesus as your savior, your sins are covered, you're in right relationship, you don't have to be perfect, but God begins to mold you and direct you and shape you. If you're here this morning and you are ready to say yes to Jesus, maybe you're watching online right now, Will you just wave your hand at me? No one's looking around, but you're ready to say yes. Thank you for that hand. You're ready to say yes. You're ready to make your life come into alignment with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Will you just wave at me so I know who I'm praying for? Thank you. And if you're online, go ahead and wave your hand. Wherever you are in Starbucks, just pretend to wave at someone. Just wave your hand. It's just an act of faith. And the prayer is simple. Say, Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross for my sin. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he was crucified. I believe that he was buried. And I believe that he rose again. And I confess in this moment He's my Lord and Savior. He's my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you just said yes to Jesus, text next N-E-X-T to 512-980-1220. Can we celebrate the people that said yes to Jesus? Awesome. All right, well, on the back of your notes, there was a little QR code. It's for our connect groups. I really hope you'll join us. There's no better time to connect with people than right now. So join us. We're going to begin connect groups in February. And uh, if you want to join us at 2.30 for the homeless or the outreach to our homeless friends, you can join us here at 2.30. Take what you received in here and go give it to someone out there. God bless you. We love you.